The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Mash Neweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today, we're going to continue with our project of going through Marcus Aurelius' meditations chapter by chapter, and we are up to Book 5, Chapter 6. Aurelius writes, One sort of person, when he has done a kindness to another, is quick also to chalk up the return due to him. A second is not so quick in that way, but even so, he privately thinks of the other as his debtor and is well aware of what he has done. A third sort is, in a way, not even conscious of his action, but is like the vine which has produced grapes and looks for nothing else once it has borne its own fruit. A horse that has raced, a dog that has tracked, a bee that has made honey, and a man that has done good. None of these knows what they have done, but they pass on to the next action, just as the vine passes on to bear grapes again in due season. So you ought to be one of those who, in a sense, are unconscious of the good they do. Now I'm going to pause there, that's halfway through the chapter, uh, and just talk about this a little bit here. So when I first read this, it reminded me of the definitions of chacham, a wise man or wise person, uh, and tzaddik, a righteous person, in Mishle, in the book of Proverbs, which is uh, a surprise prize, my favorite book. Uh, those who have learned with me know that. Uh, and uh, the way I understand Mishle, uh, the, these definitions in Mishle is as follows. Think of it as three people, okay? There's the Evil, this is the Mishlaic fool, then the Chacham, uh, who's the wise person, and then the, the Tzadik, who's the, the righteous person. So the Evil is someone who only thinks in the short term, okay? He, he doesn't think about consequences, he just thinks about immediate pleasure and avoiding immediate pain, okay? The Chacham thinks about long-term consequences, um, but is, uh, and long-term benefits, but is still selfish. So in other words, he will be willing to tolerate an immediate pain if that prevents a long-term pain or uh, uh, secures a long-term benefit. Um, and he will also be willing to forego an immediate pleasure if that would lead to a long-term harmful consequence or a long-term greater pleasure. Uh, but he still is oriented towards towards maximizing pleasure and minimizing pain in his own life, and that is a selfish motivation. And by selfish, I don't mean bad. I mean that it's it's natural to be selfish. So he's thinking linearly. Okay, the tzaddik, however, uh, the righteous person, uh, or better definition is really the uh, the person of justice, um, makes decisions based on the system. Okay, so this is not just linear consequences, but systemic consequences. And what that means is that the tzaddik will often do an action that, without any expectation of a direct selfish benefit for himself, knowing though that. What, as Marcus Aurelius says elsewhere, what's good for the hive is good for the bee, uh, which is that what is good for the system is ultimately going to be good for me. But he will do this even when he doesn't see an immediate return or possibility of immediate return. Okay, so let me walk you through uh, uh, an example of this. I wrote this in uh, my blog post, The Mishleic Spectrum, where I talk about different Mishleic personalities. So uh, I'm going to use an example from last week's Parsha, Kiseitse. So lost objects. Okay, and I'm, uh, I, I used this example when I was teaching Mishle in high school, so I'm going to use a high school example because uh, that's more real to me. So, you know, very common in high school that uh, someone will, like, you'll find a lost object in, in the hall, right? So what would each of these three personalities do in, in these cases? So the Avil, the... Um, the, uh, the Mishleik fool who's short-sighted will just take the lost object and keep it for themselves, okay? It's short-sighted because there are many consequences that can come from such a behavior, right? I mean, the least of which is 
what if someone catches you? You know, what if someone saw you? You're going to get in trouble for stealing someone's uh, someone's object, right? And there are many more consequences as well. But the point is, is that the avil is not at all thinking about the consequences. They're just acting based on, oh, this is a benefit for me now. I don't see any immediate consequence. I'm just going to take it, and uh, and uh, and that's it. The chacham will return the lost object. Okay, why? Because they know that the person, the owner, will be indebted to them. Okay, not I don't mean that in a uh, in a like Machiavellian way, like oh you owe me something uh, and therefore I can like lord it over you or manipulate you. But no, there would be like a debt of gratitude. Like I do something nice for you, and I know that you're probably going to be more inclined to do something nice for me. Uh, and so that's what I mean by a linear consequence. That even though it's going to take a certain amount of effort and pain for me to like return this lost object and to track down the owner, and uh, you know it, it's going to be annoying. Uh, Ultimately, this is going to set up a potential good for me, all right? Uh, but then the highest level is the tzaddik, who will return the lost object, not because of a the possibility of a direct benefit, but why? Because they know that a system, a school in which people care for each other's property and return each other's lost objects is going to be better for everyone. So even if I, let's say I'm a very uh, responsible conscious person who never loses anything, right? So I will still return a lost object, even at cost to myself, because I know it's good for the system and it's going to lead to better relationships between all the people. And ultimately that will benefit me. So it's selfish, but not in the immediate selfish sense or even the long-term linear selfish way, in the systemic selfish way, in that I want everyone to benefit and I I am part of the system, so I happen to be part of, of that group that includes everyone. So I want everyone to benefit. Okay. So when I read Marcus Aurelius' uh, little uh, threefold division here, so his division is, uh, so his first person is someone who uh, who does a kindness and then chalks up the return due to him. Okay, so that is what I'm calling a chacham, a wise person. The second person is not so quick in that way, but even so, he privately thinks of the other as his debtor and is well aware of what he has done. So that person is transitioning to being a tzaddik. And then the third level, someone who is uh, not, in a way, he says not even conscious of his action, but just does what is right, okay? So that person is like the tzaddik, okay, in the sense that he's doing what is good for the system naturally, not with this calculus of the benefit he's getting, okay? However, when I read this, I was like, there is one difference between the mishleich tzaddik and the the ideal person that Marcus Rilis is describing, which is that our tzaddik is aware of... Um, of why he's doing what he's doing. He knows Mishlei. He knows that this is good for the system, even if it's not, uh, even if like getting a return is not on his, for, at the forefront of his mind. So thankfully, Marcus Aurelius addresses this question. He goes on and he says as follows. He's speaking like as if he's in a dialogue. Yes, he says, but this is precisely what one should be conscious of because it defines the social being to be aware of his social action and indeed to want his fellow to be aware of it also. In other words, shouldn't someone who is doing good for others be aware of the fact that he's doing an action for the sake of the social good. And isn't it good for the other person to be aware of it as well? So why are you comparing this righteous action to like a uh, a dog or a, uh, what was the other example that he gave? Uh, to a dog uh, or a horse that has raised or a bee that has made honey where they're not aware of what they've done. You know, shouldn't man be aware of what he's done? So here's Marcus Rilius's answer. He says, true, but you misunderstand the point I am now making. And for that reason, you will fall into one of the first categories I mentioned. They too are misled by some sort of plausible logic. But if you want to follow my meaning, don't fear that this will lead you to any deficiency of social action. Okay, so what he's saying is like this. And, and you notice if you read back, he did kind of qualify a statement when he was comparing the righteous man to the man, uh, uh, to the dog and the horse and then the bee. He says, and a man that has done good, none of these 
Okay, sorry. A horse that has raised, a dog that has tracked, and a bee that has made honey, and a man that has done good. None of these knows what they have done, but they pass on to the next action, just as the vine passes on to bear grapes again in due season. So you ought to be one of those who, in a sense, are unconscious of the good they do. So he qualified it by saying, in a sense. Okay. But here's what I think. So here, here's what I, I think Judaism's position is, and then I'm going to go back and reflect on what Marcus Aurelius meant. So why is it that we should know what we are doing and not be unaware like the bee or the uh, or the grapevine right so we should be aware because first of all we'll be able to make better decisions okay we don't just go on autopilot and so the more you understand what righteous action entails and the more you make all of your decisions consciously knowing full well what the 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 benefits and the and the, and the costs and benefits are and the the ramifications in society the better you'll you will be at making decisions so from a pure efficiency standpoint it is good to be aware of why you're doing what you're doing. Okay, however, we in Judaism have an ideal, and that ideal is the purpose of the human being. Uh, and I know I've quoted this many times, I've said this many times before, that that I believe that the two pesukim, the two verses in Nach, in the prophets and the writings, which best capture the essence of Judaism, uh, are Yirmiyahu Tes Chaf Beis through Chaf Gimel. That's Jeremiah 9, 22 and 23, which says, I'll read them all in Hebrew, then translate it in English. Thus says Hashem, let not the wise man praise himself for his wisdom, let not the strong man praise himself for his strength, and let not the wealthy man praise himself for his wealth, but only in this may one who praises himself praise himself, comprehending and knowing me, with capital M, that I am Hashem who does kindness justice and righteousness on earth for in these is my desire says hashem so the rambam in the more nevuchim and the guide for the perplexed 354 explains that the first three items that the uh, psukim list are three types of lower perfections uh wisdom in this context is perfection of character which is important but not the essence of man uh Strength refers to perfection of the body which is uh not as important as character and only belongs to man qua animal and then the and then wealth is perfection of possessions, which is the least connected to man in reality and has uh, is only uh, beneficial for utilitarian purposes. But rather, a person can only uh, per, um, praise themselves in Yidiyas Hashem, in knowing God, right? Knowledge of God is the, is the purpose of man according to Judaism, um, if such a purpose we have. Um, so, however, though, the Raman points out that it's not just abstract knowledge of God. And I'm going to read from just an excerpt from that Ramam uh, source in the Morn Vukhem I mentioned. He says, Having stated that the sublime ideas contained in that scriptural passage and quoted the explanations of our sages, we will now complete what the remainder of that passage teaches us. The prophet does not content himself with explaining that the knowledge of God is the highest kind of perfection. For if this only had been his intention, he would have said, For only with this may one glorify himself, contemplating and knowing me, and would have stopped there. Or he would have said that he understand and know me that I am one, or that I have not any likeness, or that there is none like me, or a similar phrase. He says, however, that man can only glory in the knowledge of God and in the knowledge of his ways and attributes, which are his actions, as we have shown in 154, in expounding the passage, show me now your ways. We are thus told in this passage that the divine acts, which ought to be known and ought to serve as a guide for her actions are chesed, kindness, mishpat, justice, and tzedakah, righteousness. So in other words, and Ramam there, in other words, we don't just value knowledge of Hashem per se, not just abstract philosophical, metaphysical knowledge. We value knowledge of Hashem that that leads us to emulate his ways uh, of chesed, mishpat, and tzedakah, of kindness, uh, uh, justice, and righteousness. Okay, so for this reason, I would say that is another reason, perhaps the primary reason why our tzaddik, our righteous person, 
does need to know what his actions are and needs to be conscious of the benefits because if he's not conscious of why he's doing this, of, of why he's acting righteously, and he's not connecting it to emulating God's ways in the world, then he is just like a trained animal, <laughs> a very beneficial animal, but he's no different than a trained dog. But we want to be humans. We want to act as humans and live according to, to uh, what makes us human, which is knowledge that translates into action, knowledge which is real to us. And that's why our tzaddik, our righteous person, knows why he's doing what he's doing and is conscious of it. Now, Marcus Aurelius, uh, I don't think he's concerned with that because that's not you know, his value system of knowledge of God, but he gives a different reason. He says that if you are thinking about why you're doing what you're doing, you're going to fall into the trap of being one of the first two categories, people who are trying to think about this in like, you know, quid pro quo terms, okay? And I do think that there's value in that point, which is that the tzaddik is aware of this, but that awareness is not, uh, uh, he's aware of the, you know, the, the, the benefits that he's going to get, but it's not, that's not what's moving him. And I think the best description of this that I've seen is the Rambam in Hilchos Teshuva Yud Beis, uh, in the laws of, uh, of repentance, chapter 10, uh, second halacha, when he's describing the one who serves God out of love, he says, Ha'ovin me'ahava, someone who serves God out of love, Osik batora uva mitzvos, is involved in Torah and the commandments, and is, follows the paths of wisdom, not because of anything in this world. Not out of fear of, of the bad and not out of inheriting in order to inherit the good. Rather, he does what is true because it is true, and the good will come uh, um, uh, in, uh, included in that, okay, uh, or of its own accord. In other words, he's really acting because this is what righteousness is. This is truth. This is God's will. This is in line with God's knowledge, his wisdom, uh, however you want to phrase it. And it will be good for him, and it will be good for society, but that's not, he's not doing it as a, uh, in a transactional way where I do this in order to get the good. He's aware of it. He understands it. If you ask him to explain it, he can explain it, but it's not the thing that moves him. And I think that's what, what uh, Marcus really is talking about, that if you are like looking constantly like looking for this benefit that you're going to get, you will be stuck in one of those first two categories and not develop to the point of a tzaddik or an ovid me'ahava. So uh, I don't think, so just to sum it up, I don't think that Marcus really is necessarily agrees with Judaism's stance because Judaism has the, the ideal of knowledge of God uh, which necessitates that we understand why we behave righteously. But I think that Judaism would agree with what Marcus Aurelius says, which is that the more you are uh, thinking in a calculated way about the benefits that you're doing when you do righteousness, the more you're going to be stuck in a shalolishma and a not for the right motives framework um, instead of uh, being over me'av, instead of serving God out of love. Okay, that is it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zell and PayPal are matt-schneeweiss.gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbi-schneeweiss.gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank Thank you to my readers for reading and thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.